Hello and welcome to the Rational National Podcast. I'm your host, David Dole. Coming up on today's show, four YouTube segments. The first one, Bernie confronts Walmart executives at annual meeting, followed by David Pakman debunks Joe Rogan's view on YouTube bias, followed by Biden versus Bernie on reproductive rights, and uh, ending on Koch brothers to spend money on corporate Democrats. Now, I don't have uh, much else to say today, so check out these segments. Despite the incredible wealth of its owner, Walmart pays many of its employees starvation wages. Bernie Sanders was invited by Walmart workers to their annual shareholders meeting where Bernie said a few words to uh, the corporate overlords there at Walmart. Now, before I get to uh, that video, I really want to break down this story. So I want to show you what workers at Walmart are saying. And I also want to show you what happened before Bernie even said anything at the meeting. So before we get there, uh, the day before Bernie spoke, he handed his uh, social media accounts over to Walmart employees to discuss their experience working at Walmart. So I want to share you just uh, or share with you just a few of those videos of uh, Walmart workers that discuss their story. Working at Walmart has been mentally and physically draining due to the fact that we're understaffed, underpaid. I'm constantly having to worry about whether or not my hours are going to get cut. And because we have inconsiderate management and policies that don't have the associate's best interest in mind. That's why I'm so excited to hear about Senator Sanders speaking on our behalf as shareholders. It excites me to know that someone like Senator Sanders is willing to speak on our behalf concerning having Walmart associates on the board. Is it fair that millions of people who don't work for Walmart have to pick up a government benefit tab in terms of food stamps and other government payouts for those of us who do? I personally am not, but I know pe I work with people and I know people who are on government benefits because the pay at Walmart is that low. I am 63 years old and I am disabled due to multiple hip surgeries and arthritis. I am so glad that Bernie Sanders is standing with us in this fight. It's time for Walmart to give the associates a seat at the table. Being on the corporate board would give people with disabilities like me a voice in the decisions that affect their lives. All right, so those are just a few examples of um, the stories that were being shared on Bernie's uh, social media pages. And it sums up sort of what Bernie was uh, or is going to talk about uh, at, at Walmart. So discussing the idea of putting workers uh, or having at least having some representation of workers on the board at Walmart. This is a very popular policy in some European nations where uh, I forget which country it is exactly, maybe Sweden, where half of the uh, the boards at large companies have to be made up of workers within the company so that they have a say. I mean, it, it seems sort of obvious, but we live in a system where this isn't obvious. And these uh, incredibly wealthy uh, people that work in these executive branches essentially have all the power in these companies. And uh, of course, also raising pay is another aspect of, uh, of Bernie's speech that we'll get to. But before Bernie even spoke at the event, this is what happened. So this tweet from Kara Corte at CBS News. Before uh, Sanders takes the stage at Walmart shareholders meeting, CEO Doug McMillan calls for Washington to raise federal minimum wage. Quote, it's time for Congress to put a thoughtful plan in place to increase the minimum wage. 
So, do you think Walmart would be saying this if they didn't feel the pressure from Bernie Sanders and Walmart workers? Of course not. This is what Bernie is already uh, helping to achieve as just a candidate. Imagine Bernie Sanders as president and the power that he would be able to, or the pressure that he would be able to put on these massive corporations if he weren't able to do it uh, through through passing bills if there was, say, a Republican Senate still. So even without a majority in the Senate, he could still get things done by pressuring these massive corporations. Now, just to give you a few examples before we get to uh, Bernie's speech, this isn't the first time that he's done this. So remember the uh, Stop Bezos Act, where Amazon actually raised their minimum wage to $15 following pressure from Bernie Sanders. Or when Bernie Sanders spoke at a rally to call for higher wages for Disneyland Resort workers, and a month later, Disneyland Resort agrees to deal to raise minimum wage for California staff. So these are just several examples of how Bernie, just as a politician, as a senator, and as a candidate, has been able to pressure these uh, massive corporations. But now let's get to um, Bernie speaking at at Walmart. So he's going to be introducing here a uh, Walmart resolution. And I'm going to play you also the before and the after, just to give you an idea of how inhuman Walmart is. Next, we'll consider the proposal mentioned in the Other Matters section of the proxy statement. It was submitted by Ms. Carolyn Davis. Senator Bernie Sanders will present this proposal on behalf of Ms. Davis. Senator Sanders, you have three minutes. Thank you, Madam Chair. And uh, let me thank Walmart employee Kat Davis for introducing this resolution. And it states, and I quote, resolved shareholders of Walmart urge the board to adopt the policy of promoting significant representation of employee perspectives among corporate decision makers by requiring that the initial list of candidates from which new nominees are chosen by the nominating and governance committee include hourly associates. The policy should provide that any third party consultant asked to furnish an initial list will be requested to include such candidates, end of quote, end of resolution. Madam Chair, the issue that we are dealing with today is pretty simple. Walmart is the largest private employer in America and is owned by the Walton family, the wealthiest family in the United States, worth approximately $175 billion. And yet, despite the incredible wealth of its owner, Walmart pays many of its employees starvation wages, wages that are so low that many of these employees are forced to rely on government programs like food stamps, Medicaid, and public housing in order to survive. Frankly, the American people are sick and tired of subsidizing the greed of some of the largest and most profitable corporations in this country. They are also outraged by the grotesque level of income and wealth inequality in America, as demonstrated by the CEO of Walmart making a thousand times more than the average Walmart employee. Last year, Walmart made nearly $10 billion in profit. It paid its CEO over $20 million in compensation, and it has authorized $20 billion in stock buybacks which will benefit its wealthiest stockholders. Surely, with all of that, Walmart can afford to pay its employees a living wage 
of at least $15 an hour. And that is not a radical idea, because many of Walmart's major competitors like Amazon, Costco, and Target have already moved in that direction. Further, Walmart should give a voice to its workers by allowing them seats on the board of directors. The concerns of workers, not just stockholders, should be part of board decisions. Today, with the passage of this resolution, Walmart can strike a blow against corporate greed and a grotesque level of income and wealth inequality that exists in our country. Please do the right thing. Please pass this resolution. Thank you very much. Thank you, Senator Sanders, for your presentation and for your viewpoint. While we don't support this particular proposal, the importance of listening to and investing in our associates was reflected in Doug's remarks, and you'll hear more about it later in the meeting. All right. Now, apart from the points I already hit on with Bernie talking about the need to uh, raise wages and how Walmart employees are um, essentially many of them having to live off government benefits, which are taxpayer-funded benefits because of Walmart's greed. So taxpayers are subsidizing Walmart's greed. Apart from Bernie's points there, look how emotionless this executive at Walmart is. And not even just that. So apart from, you know, the obvious lack of empathy here, the whole culture is set up this way. So why is it that only the executives get to speak from a stage. I mean, if Walmart actually cared about their workers, actually took these proposals seriously, why aren't they allowed up on stage to discuss them? It's like that. I mean, visually, they are just giving people. It's it, they're showcasing this sort of two-tiered uh, reality in the culture within Walmart, where oh, the people at the top get to stand on the stage and and talk down to all of you, while the workers have to. Uh, Talk about their proposals from the floor. I mean, it's it's built in to the company culture. Now, I have two more clips here to show you. So I want to first uh, show uh, Bernie T Sanders talking to um, some of the Walmart workers uh, outside of the event right after uh, he spoke. One might think that a family worth $175 billion would be able to pay its employees a living wage. Yeah! And yet, as you all know, the starting wage at Walmart now is $11 an hour. All right, so that goes on for a couple more minutes. I'll have a link to all these uh, videos below my video so you can check out the full context. But you see there, again, Bernie rallying the, uh, the Walmart workers. Now, I want to show you uh, when a CNN reporter confronted Bernie after his speech, asking Bernie if he thought that Walmart got the message. Do you feel that the Walmart CEO got your message today? Uh, no, I don't. I think if he got the message, what he would say is that we are going to do what many of our competitors are doing, what Amazon has already done, what Costco has done, what Target is moving toward, and raise that minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. Look, this is not a radical idea. You got the wealthiest family in our country worth $175 billion. Surely they can afford to pay their employees a living wage. Now, he did say that they do believe the federal minimum wage Well, that's fine. We are working on it. I led the effort in the Senate to raise the federal minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. We got strong Republican opposition there. In the House, I hope they will do it. 
But with Republicans controlling the Senate, there is no guarantee we will succeed. What we need is Walmart, the largest private sector employer in this country, to take a bold step forward and say that all of their employees should live with dignity. And how would you respond to some of the the things they've said they've done for their employees? You think no. it's enough? I mean, no, made it some is not enough. Look, I'm not here to you know criticize everything that they have done. All that I'm saying is that if you work 40 hours a week in the United States, especially in a company owned by the wealthiest family in America, a company which has apparently enough resources to pay its CEO over $20 million a year in compensation, a thousand times more than what the average worker makes, you know, if you can do all of that, you can pay your workers a living wage. So there you go. Uh, People have to understand. This is the only way these massive companies are going to move on any of these issues, if they're forced to. In a capitalist system, there is no need for these companies to treat their workers properly. They'll just exploit and exploit and and exploit as long as they can do it within the law. So if the policies allow them to, or if the lack of regulations allow them to pay their workers starvation wages, then they'll do so. Because there's no reason that there's nothing forcing them to, to to do otherwise. So this kind of political pressure and this rallying of workers is the only way to fight back against this. And this is why I see Bernie Sanders as the clear choice in the Democratic primary because he's the only one doing this. Well, you have other candidates with with strong uh, progressive platforms. You first of all don't have someone like Bernie Sanders with the same track record, the same forty year track rec- uh, record that he has. But on top of that, he's the only one discussing a political revolution, actually rallying people together and being willing to go to these various states and put political pressure on the politicians in various districts and states to support bills like a Medicare for All bill, for example, that he'll want to pass. He's the only candidate willing to call out all politicians regardless of party. And that's why I think Bernie Sanders is the clear choice for voters in the Democratic primary. YouTube's bias is towards corporatism and profit. Joe Rogan invited on David Pakman for what I thought was an incredibly refreshing interview. Now, there is one moment in this discussion that I want to pull out, and that's when Pakman essentially debunked the myth that YouTube has a left-wing bias. Watch. I know that there are people who say YouTube has an inherently left-wing bias. Others say YouTube has a, a, a right-wing, but whatever. YouTube's bias is towards corporatism and profit. Yes. That's fundamentally what it is. And but as in, a company, they have a left-wing bias. I don't know that. In what sense? Well, in the sense that the woman who's the CEO of YouTube has t- talked about it pretty openly. Like the fact that she doesn't... What was it that she had gotten into? She, oh, well, first of all, it was the, the James Damore thing. You know, she was talking about the Google memo, and she was talking about how it was uh, incredibly damaging, the damaging, uh, damaging stereotypes against women, which it just wasn't. It just, is, it's not okay. accurate. Is Home Depot a right-wing company because the CEO supports Trump? That's a good question. I'm, I'm basing it on that they're a part of Facebook, and Facebook is pretty clearly left-wing. Who's and a I part think- of Facebook? Google. Oh, sorry, Google. They're part of Google. I meant Google. Okay. Google is a, a very, very left-wing group, and it's all Silicon Valley, which is almost entirely left-wing biased. So I think we have to distinguish between the personal political biases of Silicon Valley entrepreneurs and the broader place that Google has in the sort of corporate sphere. Mm-hmm. Google is part of 
the group of huge multinational corporations that um, lobbies for particular tax policy to avoid paying taxes mm -hmm. legally. That is not a particularly left-wing thing to do. Uh, Google is um, part of the large tech companies that in order to avoid serious regulation of their businesses have come up with this idea of regulating themselves, okay, which I know is a topic, uh, self-regulation that's come up before on your program in, in a variety of ways. So those are not left-wing things. And if you want to make the case that as a company, it has a left-wing politic in the outward-facing world, you have to have something more than just a lot of their engineers live in Palo Alto and are hipsters who go to coffee shops. Well, what do and you think? I think that in, the, in terms of the place that it occupies within the economic system we have, they are not very different from all of the large corporations that are pushing against regulation, pushing for ways to avoid taxes, period. So in terms of economic decisions? Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, if, if we want to talk about how the personal politics of the employees translate to policy, we can do that, but we need to be able to make some specific claims about how, how it does. What I'm saying is we know the way in which the structure that Google is a part of leads to it advocating for things that are center-right corporatist capitalist, the status quo of tax shelters, havens, and not paying taxes, regulating ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's what's interesting about this Crowder thing is there ultimately the decision was to allow him to have his freedom to post videos on there, but the punitive aspect of it is they're going to reduce his ability or eliminate his ability to make money from right. it. All right. Now, that last uh, point that Rogan makes there about Steven Crowder being demonetized, I'm going to get to my experience with demonetization because there is this other myth that I guess is kind of part of the YouTube has a left-wing bias myth that uh, where right-wingers, oh, only right-wingers get demonetized on YouTube. Only they get deplatformed. Total, utter crap. And you're going to see. But before I get there, David Pakman here did a great job. So he says straight up, YouTube has a bias towards corporatism and profit. That's YouTube's bias. That is not left wing. Capitalism is right wing. Now, you, you may want to call Google, YouTube center right. OK, I think that makes sense. Um, but that's what they are. Now, this is where I notice a lot of difference between or a lot of difference between the way that people on the left think and people on the right think. People on the right, at least those that, you know, are into YouTube videos, are very obsessed with cultural issues. So, like, LGBT rights, or women's rights, reproductive rights, those are the big topics of conversation, and more cultural issues on top of that. But, I mean, that's, that's humanism. I mean, like, this is the, this is the crap that blows my mind. Are we supposed to not support gay rights? Is that supposed to be a legitimate position to have? Like, society evolves. We become more and more accepting. We learn. So, being for gay rights is not a left-wing position. That's a humane position. So, you have to look at the economic issues. When it comes to the cultural issues, what the left supports is just what's humane, what's objectively the right thing. 
yes, the left is against one race dominating all races. We are for multiculturalism. But is that really, should that really be considered left wing? Or is that just humanitarian? So this is, this is where I think Rogan's bias comes in because he has a lot of these right wingers on his show like Steven Crowder or Ben Shapiro or Dave Rubin. He has this idea put in his head by those people that YouTube or Silicon Valley has a, uh, a left wing bias because, oh, look at their website. It's Gay Pride Month and they have a rainbow on their website. Oh, it means they're left wing or they're just humane. They're just humanitarians. They just care about people. And first of all, they don't, <laughs> but, but that's another situation or another discussion. But, uh, but that, that supporting gay rights, at least publicly, doesn't make you left wing. It's how you treat your workers. How much do you pay people? Do you fight uh, for deregulation? Do you fight for tax cuts for the rich? That's what makes you right or left. Being kind to people, recognizing that we all have, we all should have equal rights and that multiculturalism isn't scary, should not be considered left wing. But, um, what am I going to say here? <laughs> so let's get back to this idea that, that, that YouTube has a left wing bias. And I mean, Steven Crowder, he, his page just got demonetized. Oh, right wingers being demonetized all over YouTube. Yeah, it never happens to the left, right? We never get demonetized. Let me show you what had just happened today. As I'm shooting this video, this is what happened. A video called Biden versus Bernie on reproductive rights, which is a video about women's rights and Biden and Bernie's position got demonetized. Now you may think, oh, well, that's just one video. Yeah, okay, so YouTube doesn't want you... Uh, by the way, when I say demonetized, it also means oftentimes delisted. So less people are seeing these videos because they aren't being put into the suggested bar uh, on the side of, of, of the YouTube page. So people, in addition to these videos not making money, people are not seeing them either. So yeah, sure. Just one video, right? Here's more. Pro-impeachment Republican gets standing ovation. This was demonetized even after a confirmed review, or uh, sorry, a manual review. All these videos here that I'm going to show you are confirmed demonetized after manual review, meaning that supposedly somebody at YouTube watched the video to ensure that they should actually be demonetized, and someone watched that and said, yep, that should be demonetized. This was just news about a Republican supporting impeachment. That got demonetized. Now think of the reverse of that, if that happened to a right-winger. Oh my... They are trying to, I put a video out saying that a Democrat supports the impeachment of Hillary Clinton and it got demonetized. YouTube has a left-wing bias. That's what would happen. I'm not even saying <laughs> that, that YouTube is purposely going after me. The issue that YouTube has here, and I'm going to show you more examples, is that they just give out blanket demonetizations. So instead of actually looking at the content of the video, they think, okay, uh, well, this video is about um, debunking hate, or it's about how hate movements recruit and how to help prevent them. That's the exact same thing as promoting hatred. That's how they do this shit. So the problem that I have with YouTube is they don't hire more people and qualified people to be able to decipher what is hateful or what is bigoted 
versus what is content that is actually educational and positive. Let me show you more. So uh, the ones on on shootings, I guess I kind of understand, even though you know those stories are all over the internet on other websites, and those websites all demonetize the, or sorry, all monetize these stories. So it's kind of weird that only on YouTube um, that happens, but that's what some of these videos are about. So teenage hero loses his life saving a classmate, or um, shocking Sandra Bland video was buried by news network. Videos about shootings, I guess I somewhat understand. Um, at, at least they're, I don't know, they're objective there in terms of these blanket demonetizations of anything having to do with guns. Okay, fine. But watch those videos. These are positive videos, especially the one about the teenage hero losing his life. I mean, this is not, these aren't hateful messages. More. Ben Shapiro runs from BBC interview after being embarrassed by a conservative. Look, imagine a video about, I don't know, Ben Shapiro does a video debunking the Young Turks, and that gets demonetized. Ben Shapiro would be out there saying, oh, YouTube again, left-wing bias, demonetizing me. But you don't hear about it when it happens to me and other left-wingers, because we don't, well, I should say I bitch a lot, but a lot of other people don't. I mean, Maybe it happens to me more often than, than other people, but it happens quite a bit. And maybe we should complain more because this happens all the time. Yet there's this false idea out there that YouTube has a left-wing bias. I mean, look, I don't want to read all these, but you can pause the video and read these titles. The, the ones about Ilhan Omar especially crack me up. Almost every video that I, uh, that's about Ilhan Omar gets demonetized. I don't know why, but they do. So more here. I mean, even one about creepy Joe Biden. This one about Nipsey Hussle. This video is literally about how Nipsey Hussle helped his community. Demonetized. I mean, explain this to me. Hate movements recruit, or, or sorry, how hate movements recruit and how to help prevent it. Yeah, again, this is what I'm talking about. You can't tell that's a video that isn't about hatred. That is a video that is clearly uh, has a, a positive message and is designed to be educational and help people. Yet that somehow is the same as a video promoting hate. This is what we have to deal with. Go down the list. I mean, none of these make any sense to be uh, demonetized. So there's more. I mean, we could just be here all day. <laughs> I'm not going to show you. I'm not going to show you all of them. But uh, it happens quite a bit. So this is this is what we deal with. This is what the left deals with. There is no left-wing bias on YouTube. Whether it's, you know, culturally, they don't have one. They may have a rainbow flag on their website, but they are demonetizing pro-LGBT videos just like they are anti-LGBT videos, like they're the same thing when they clearly aren't. One is about acceptance and love the others are about hatred and bigotry this should be obvious so uh, i just hope rogan has more pacmans on his show have more people that can talk to you about left-wing ideas and you know smash some of these long-held myths that are promoted by the right wing understand here that the 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 cartoon clownish version of the left that the right wing especially right wing youtube likes to pretend exists 
that that's not a real thing. I mean, I'll see videos and they, they crack me up. They'll they'll put in uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez with Jeff Bezos as if they're the same uh, on <laughs> on political issues. I mean, if you know anything about these two people, they are completely different. They are diametrically opposed to each other. Their positions are completely opposite. But the right will pretend, oh, Jeff Bezos, Amazon, left-wing bias, AOC, left-wing bias, Hillary Clinton, left-wing bias. These are all the same. Meanwhile, AOC is fighting for, you know, much higher taxes on the rich. She's fighting for Medicare for all, fighting for free college. Hillary Clinton, none of those things. <laughs> Jeff Bezos, the opposite of those things. So th this is, understand, if especially if you're on the right, and maybe this is news to you, maybe you're watching this and didn't realize that the left gets demonetized this often. This happens not just to me, but it happens to all of us. So the idea that YouTube has a left-wing bias is just a complete myth. Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders continue to lead the race for the Democratic nomination. So in this video, just like in previous videos, I want to showcase how different these two candidates are from each other. In this case, how different they are when it comes to women's rights. Now, before I get into it, I want to say here, in my research, I was actually kind of surprised. I was surprised how terrible Biden's record is on this, and I was surprised how fantastic Bernie's record is on this. So wait for that. First, let me explain what the Hyde Amendment is. So the Hyde Amendment has been the topic of conversation recently, and um, it essentially bans the use of uh, federal funds for abortion unless it's to save the life of the woman. Now, Elizabeth Warren was in a town hall on MSNBC discussing why it is so important to repeal the Hyde Amendment. I've, I've lived in an America where abortions were illegal. Yeah. And understand this, women still got abortions. Now, some got lucky on what happened, and some got really unlucky on what happened. But the bottom line is they were there. And under the Hyde Amendment, under every one of these efforts to try to chip away or to push back or to get rid of Roe versus Wade, understand this, women of means will still have access to abortions. Who won't will be poor women, will be working women, will be women who can't afford to take off three days from work, will be very young women, will be women who've been raped, will be women who have been molested by someone in their own family. We do not pass laws that take away that freedom from the women who are most vulnerable. So I thought that was a fantastic answer on, on this issue. And you can clearly see where Elizabeth Warren sits on this. So before I get to Biden, let me get into... Um, uh, Bernie's uh, position on this. So first of all, it's very clear. As Bernie tweeted out uh, this week, there is no middle ground on women's rights. Abortion is a constitutional right. Under my Medicare for All plan, we will repeal the Hyde Amendment. Now, if you listen to mainstream pundits, you might get the impression that Bernie's record on this is poor. So MSNBC analyst and senior director of progressive programming for Sirius XM, Zerlina Maxwell, uh, tweeted this out. Bernie didn't support repealing Hyde when he started his campaign in 2016, but eventually did because black women vote. Now, yes, black women vote. But the part about Bernie there, <laughs> completely untrue. 
So Bernie has actually always been against the Hyde Amendment. Not only did he commit to repealing it in 2016, but in 1993, when there was a vote on the Hyde Amendment that passed the House, Bernie Sanders was one of the members that voted against it. It's pretty clear. In fact, Bernie's support of reproductive rights goes back even further. So as Newsweek reported, a 1972 article surfaced showing Bernie Sanders backed abortion rights year before Roe v. Wade. Sanders told Vermont's Bennington Banner newspaper in September 1972, months before the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling on Roe v. Wade, that abortion procedures should only be a concern between a woman and her physician. The article sits aside several letters the then Liberty Union candidate for governor wrote to local newspapers calling for the abolition of all laws dealing with abortion, drugs, and sexual behavior. Quote, it strikes me as incredible that politicians think that they have the right to tell a woman what she can or cannot do with her body, end quote. Sanders told the Bennington Banner on September 1st, 1972, quote, this is especially true in Vermont, where we have a legislature which is almost completely dominated by men, end quote. The opinions Sanders expressed to the Vermont newspaper were highly unpopular at the time, according to U.S. surveys, and Sanders' backing of abortion for nearly 50 years unveils a striking separation between himself and Biden, currently the 2020 Democratic frontrunner. So, understand here, Bernie on reproductive rights is actually a leader on this issue. He supported it before it was even law. There's going to be a clear distinction of Bernie's history on this to Biden's history. I mean, it is night and day. Now, actually, uh, I'm going to have a little more on Bernie later on in the video, but let's get to Biden now. So earlier this week, Biden, there was so much back and forth. Biden told somebody from the ACLU that he, in fact, was for uh, um, repealing the, the Hyde Amendment. Then when his campaign was questioned on it, they said, no, Biden still supports the Hyde Amendment. So he essentially lied to somebody from the ACLU. And then um, after the big uproar from Biden saying that he uh, still supports the Hyde Amendment, he decided to change his mind. Or I should say, I guess he had a change of heart. It just so happened that his evolution on this issue coincided with all of the media scrutiny around him still supporting it. So he came out and said this. We now see so many Republican governors denying health care to millions of the most poorest and most vulnerable Americans by refusing even Medicaid expansion. I can't justify leaving millions of women without access to the care they need and the ability to, con to exercise their constitutionally protected right. If I believe health care is a right as I do, I can no longer support an amendment that makes that right dependent on someone's zip code. All right. Did that seem sincere to you? Joe Biden is often seen as a personable guy. That's why he has a lot of support, because he doesn't come off as, you know, your typical politician to at least some people. Um, but in this case, he is just straight up reading a carefully prepared statement off a piece of paper. I think his campaign came to him and said, you know what? You better support repealing the Hyde Amendment or else it's really going to hurt you. And he basically had no choice. So if he was actually sincere about this, he could have had a proper conversation about it. He could have said, uh, you know, I thought about this. I asked the people around me. I asked people in my life because I, I saw all this scrutiny and I didn't realize that 
I was misinformed on this issue. And I guess I wasn't listening before, but but now I'm listening. And now I've changed because I, I, I do understand why it's so important to repeal the Hyde Amendment. And he could have had, you know, a real moment, a human moment on this if he was actually sincere about it. But of course, he's not sincere about it. So he didn't have that human moment. Now, it's not even just the Hyde Amendment. Biden has always been terrible on women's rights. So as Ryan Grimm writes in The Intercept, as vice president, Joe Biden repeatedly sought to undermine the Affordable Care Act's contraception mandate, working in alliance with the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops to push for a broad exemption that would have left millions of women without coverage. Yeah, but you know what? His history is even worse than that. So this from Vox. On the Hyde Amendment, as senator in the 1970s and 80s, Biden supported the federal funding ban and opposed efforts to add the rape and incest exemptions, according to NBC. Biden's positions on abortion have changed over time. A Catholic who has said he is, quote, personally opposed to abortion, he voted in the early 1980s in favor of a constitutional amendment to allow states to overturn Roe v. Wade. Joe Biden likely has the worst record of any Democrat running for president. Again, as I've discussed in previous videos, if Joe Biden were to actually win the Democratic nomination, he will suppress the vote even more than Hillary Clinton did. He will not be able to turn out the base. So understand here, if you want to pick somebody for, for, for the, the nomination that can actually beat Donald Trump, Joe Biden is not your choice. There are other people in the race that can definitely beat Donald Trump. Joe Biden, I think, would have the, the biggest challenge beating Donald Trump. Because remember here, conservatives will come out, come out and vote anyways, and they will vote for Donald Trump. This idea that Democrats can attract conservative voters never comes to fruition. It never actually happens. They keep trying to do it, and they keep losing. How about actually appealing to everybody else in the country? How about trying to appeal to non-voters that have been so disillusioned by this two-party system? Because as we see with Joe Biden, he is very similar to Republicans on the issue of women's rights. So you have to actually vote for somebody that is different than the conservative. Now, let me get to some other Democrats on this. Because, look, as we saw earlier, Warren is good on this but we have to be honest about her record and others uh, and other uh, democrats running their record as well so as political tweeted out an example elizabeth warren says she doesn't like the hyde amendment but she's voted for it it was part of a bill that funded a big chunk of the government last year michael bennett cory booker christian gillibrand kamala harris amy klobuchar and beto o'rourke eric swalwell and others voted in favor of that bill too Bernie Sanders voted no. Bernie is the only true leader in the top tier of candidates in this race. I mean, issue after issue after issue. It's not even just his recent positions on these, on these issues. It's going back 40 years on these issues. If you want someone to actually fight for you and fight for these policies, fight on these issues, fight for actual people... There is one clear candidate sitting in the top tier right now that can do that and will do that. And by the way, they aren't taking any private money. They aren't taking any corporate money. They're, they aren't influenced by anybody else except for the people that he's running for. 
He has a grassroots movement, a volunteer base, and individual donors that are fueling his campaign. There is one leader in this race. Now, I'm not even done. (laughs) There's more. So, Bernie is actually also willing to challenge sitting Democrats on this. So, as Common Dreams reports, citing threats to abortion rights, Sanders endorses Marie Newman's Democratic primary challenge against anti-choice incumbent Dan Lipinski. Quote, She will be a powerful voice for upholding Roe v. Wade at a disturbing moment in our history when a woman's right to control her own body and future is at stake. So, Lipinski, a sitting Democrat, Bernie Sanders is endorsing his primary challenger because of the issue of women's rights. And look, to be completely transparent here, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand and Jay Inslee also support Marie Newman in this race. But Kirsten Gillibrand and Jay Inslee are, I don't even think, hitting 1% at this point. I think Gillibrand has 1%, maybe. Uh, Jay Inslee, I don't even think, has 1%. So if we're looking at Again, the top tier of candidates that can actually win this primary and beat Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders is the clear choice and also the clear leader on women's rights. With the grassroots movement that's taking shape within the Democratic Party and actually winning some seats like with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Rashida Tlaib, I was not surprised to see what is now happening. So Koch Network floats backing Democrats in revamp of influence operation. The one-time Tea Party powerhouse says it's ready to spend money to protect lawmakers from either party who back its priorities, including helping dreamers. Now, <laughs> that positive spin at the end there, I thought was kind of funny. Oh, helping dreamers. That's what, yeah, that's what the Koch brothers worry about. No. As you're going to see when I read through this, what this is actually about is the Koch brothers backing corporate-friendly Democrats. So here's more. Some, but definitely not all, of the group's policy plans may intrigue Democrats. For instance, one of the Koch Network's top priorities is extending protection to Dreamers. Its stance on that issue has sometimes been met with pushback from its own donors. Under its new approach, the network says it will help defend incumbent lawmakers in primaries, encouraging lawmakers to be less risk-averse and work together on Koch-backed policies. The moves are designed to enable the network to further its priorities and, in the words of a new memo, elevate civil discourse in Washington and elsewhere. The network will also start four new PACs focused on policy issues to reward lawmakers that are in step with Koch policy. Though the network has changed, it still has the ability to pour millions into television ads and knock on thousands of doors to help candidates, in addition to donating directly to their campaigns. Now, all you have to know... (laughs) <laughs> about this story is the uh, the wording here in step with Coke policy. They will back Democrats that are in step with Coke policy, which is completely about economic issues. If this was really just about the dreamers, then they would back somebody like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. But that's not what it's about. This is about economic issues. It's about cutting spending. It's about tax cuts for the rich. It's about deregulation. It's about big business subsidies. So, more on this. 
The network has said has not said how much money it will spend to bolster its political and policy goals during the 2020 election cycle. That will depend on whether priorities outlined by the network are getting done. <laughs> Quote, I would love to come back and tell you we are increasing our investment because that means government is actually working and getting things accomplished. This is a straight up warning for the Democratic Party leadership saying that, hey, if you want our money, play nice and support our agenda. So that's why they aren't straight up saying here, oh, we're going to spend all this money on all these Democratic candidates. No. Right now, what they're doing is they are teasing the Democratic Party, the leadership specifically, saying, oh, if you agree with our proposals here, our policies, if you agree with our uh, economic issues, well, there's some money in it for you. This is absolutely disgusting. Remember, the Koch brothers, they essentially created the Tea Party. They funded it. This entire movement pretending to be, you know, about America fighting back and, and taking America back, taking a, 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 a Washington back, was never about that. It was about cutting taxes for the rich. It was about deregulation. It was about economic issues. What the Koch brothers and the Tea Party did was use cultural issues to distract Republican voters so that they wouldn't notice that actually what these campaigns were about was about cutting taxes for the rich. Now, um, this also, look, what the Kochs are doing here isn't new. This has happened in the past. So as Lee Fung tweeted out, just a reminder, Koch brothers helped finance the Democratic Leadership Council in the late 90s and early 2000s to keep Democrats in line in support of big business. Not a new dynamic. So, this is why it's so important to back candidates that are rejecting big money. And not, not just for president, but on the, the local and state levels as well. You have to back candidates that are actually supported by small donors and uh, volunteers and grassroots support. Because that is the only way your candidate will be able to win. Otherwise, what's going to happen here, just like it happened with uh, the GOP, is you're going to have these corporate Democrats funded with a ton of money from the Koch brothers and other conservative groups because they are so afraid of having more Alexandria Costa Cortezes in government that want to raise taxes on them, want to uh, look at issues like spending more to help people like Medicare for all. They want to fight back against that. And they're doing it now. So they're, they're laying the groundwork now. So ensure Whenever you have a candidate, whether it's local, state level, whatever, make sure you ask them, where are they getting their money from? And also look into it, because oftentimes they'll lie. They'll say, oh, yeah, uh, I'm mostly funded by small donors and I, I'm working for the people. No, look into where they're getting their money from. Only support candidates that are grassroots supported, that are funded by small, do uh, by small dollar donors only. Because when you have candidates out there that are trying to court this money, it comes at a cost. If they are backed by <clears throat> the Koch brothers or other groups like that, then they are going to, uh, th these massive groups with all that money will dictate the policy that these politicians will push for once they're in government. So again, be very aware of how money impacts politics and that it's now even taking a, even more of a conservative turn in the Democratic Party with support from the Koch brothers.